thank you for tuning in. You're watching Burnham Podcast on YouTube or maybe on Rumble. You can also find it anywhere you listen to podcasts. So wherever you've found it, know that you can find it other places too. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. So tonight's guest has been a Sunday school teacher, a youth pastor, a lead pastor, a music minister. He's been in just about every facet of ministry you can think of, including worldwide missions. We're talking to Mr. David Ogden in this episode. Welcome to Burnham Podcast. I'm your host, Danny Burnham. Okay, so what you guys don't know is that we just had a three-minute dress rehearsal. After the 40-minute conversation. After the 40-minute conversation. <laughs> but I'm still here with Mr. David Ogden. And uh, we were getting into what it is that you do now. Yeah. Um, what have you done before? You're in ministry. I guess we'll start yeah. there. In ministry. Um, and so I started off in ministry. Uh, I trust the Lord at 15. Um, didn't grow up in church, but... Long story short, had a friend who was very um, aggressive with the gospel and basically kidnapped me and brought me to a crusade okay. and uh, heard the gospel for the first time very clearly and was like, oh, that's me. I need to I need to trust Jesus because yeah. I'm in trouble if I don't. So um, began in, uh, then uh, after that I discovered, or a friend of mine discovered I had a singing voice. And so that started music ministry. And so I was in that for years and years and years, including a couple of places here in town and then in 2009, the Lord began to turn my heart toward teaching and toward uh, discipleship and then toward missions in a sense, because I understood with evangelism, missions is just evangelism somewhere else. Right. Um, so uh, that began to change, and then we ended up planning a church in 2010, um, where I did church planning with our Merchie Bible Fellowship for almost 11 years, and then... Uh, 2000 is it okay we're good <laughs> 2021 between covid and burnout we ended up closing the church and uh for the last year and a half i've been trying to figure out how to engage the unreached people group that we adopted in 2012 so your church adopted these people and then your church ended yeah and you're still trying to maintain this relationship yeah. with What's the name of the people group? It's the Kahar people in northern India. There's about, well, now there's about 9 million of wow. Kahar. So they're northern India and the border with uh, India and Nepal, so southern Nepal in that area. And, I guess uh, there's a billion people there, though, right? So 1.4 billion in, in India. Oh, it just passed China for the highest population. Wow. And it, with China's population policy, which was one child for a long time, right. they're never going to catch back up. Yeah. So. India is the most populous place in the world. South Asia has 2 billion people. Um, so one in every three or four people you're going to meet in the world is South Asian. So it's it's crazy. I guess that's right. Yeah. Wow. So And you think about India, it was amazing about India is it's roughly half the size of the continental United States, mm -hmm. and there's four times the population. <laughs> So. <laughs> that's true. Well, and you think about, you said there were 9 million of the... Of just this group, yeah. yeah. And I'm thinking, well, there's 9 million. Well, there's 9 million people in Georgia, mm -hmm. right? And then... Yeah. So you look at a, a larger landmass, or I guess yeah. not a larger landmass, but you can pack a bunch of people into oh, a absolutely. small place in a country with a billion and a half people. That's well, there's one state in northern India called Uttar Pradesh, and there's 330 million people in that state. Wow. 
So if it were a country, it would be the fifth largest country right. by population, but it's just a state. Wow. And there is approximately one missionary for every 17 million Indian people. That's not enough. So it's not, it's not <laughs> enough. So you take the population of Georgia and South Carolina and you put them together and you got one guy that's trying to tell them all about Jesus. Wow. And there's no cultural influence to tell them about Jesus like we have here in the South. Yeah. So it's all foreign concept to them. Well, that's what I was going to ask. You say, uh, yeah, you're obviously not the first person to say unreached people group. Yeah. Um, what does unreached mean? Yeah. So there's different levels. Um, there's there's reached, which means there's some Christian influence or church planning going on organically. There's unreached, which means that there's no really Christian work that's happening there within among the people, no church planning. And then there's unreached and unengaged, which means not only are they unreached, but no one's even trying mm. to reach them. And there are literally thousands of people groups that are unreached and unengaged. So are we talking... Like you're, are you going there to convert them from some other religion, or are they completely without any type of religion? Yes, I know they're all very religious. Yeah, matter of fact, South Asians are much more religious than you and I are. Yeah, um, I'm sure. Yeah, so every every home has uh, has a mandir, so you have a, a, a shrine or a, a shelf where your different gods are, mm. and so they they pray every day. Uh, they give faithfully. Um, they go to worship. They're very fervent in their belief. Uh, the only problem is that none of their 330 million gods can take them to heaven. Million. Who can keep yeah. up with 330 million? I have a hard time keeping up with one. I got the one, right? Yeah. That's, that's all. <laughs> now, true, he's the triune god, but at the same time, it's just right. one you got to right. keep up yeah. with. And, uh, yeah, 330 million uh, wow. gods. Yeah. So, so you have to go in and convince them that yours is the one and true. Is the true god. Yeah. yeah. The, the living god. The one that can actually save them because yeah. in Hindu um, religion, the teaching is that you, it's a reincarnation. So right. you be better, you'd be born into a different, better, better state. And then it's an, it never ends until you reach that final. So they're all they're all Hindus are really looking for is that is for it to end the cycle just mm. to end and will never end um, until they find eternal life. And uh, yeah, so and one of the problems that we have in, in South Asia, I say we, the folks that work there um, regularly, routinely, is that in South Asia, if you say, will you follow Jesus, will you worship Jesus, most South Asians will go, sure, no problem, but they mean that they're going to add him to the list. Right? So million and the thing yeah. with Jesus is he says, you know, I'm a jealous God, yeah. so you can't have other idols in me. It's either me or nothing. So. Wow. So they're more than happy to just throw him they're into the pile. They're more than happy, yeah. And, so, uh, and some people would say, well, that's a conversion. You know, we got you know, it's not scorecard. a scorecard. We're so pragmatic about stuff here. It's yeah. like, it's all about numbers. And, yeah, well, we yeah. talked about that on Sunday here at our church and the, the board that we have on the wall. You know, we had this many in Sunday school. I'm like, that's this much great. given. Yep. I could give people cash to show yeah. up to church. You know, yeah. we could have a bunch of people and that'd be great. But like, what are we really doing? Yeah. You guys are really doing it. Yeah. It's, it's. You know, missions is is something that every Christian is to be involved in. You know, global missions is the responsibility of the local church. Right. I mean, the problem is here in our culture, in the South especially, we're just culturally not geared toward going other places and doing other things because we like the way that we are. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're real good at taking care of ourselves in our churches. Yeah. But it, 
reaching out to people who are different culturally, different linguistically, different in the way they live their lives is it's just not something that's comfortable for us. But that's why unreached people are unreached because right. it's, yeah. they're not easy to get to. It's expensive. It, they're not easy to reach. And there's no ongoing works there. So you have to start from scratch. Yeah. So, yeah. so how do you, how did you find, say their name again? The Kahara people. Kahara. Yeah. How do you yeah. find the Kahara people? How do we find them? Yeah. Well, how did you settle on this is our Oh, how do we, that, how do we, okay, sorry. Yeah. yeah. So when our church um, was, we really felt convicted by the Lord that we not to be doing something with global missions and reaching unreached people. Because there's hundreds of churches in this county. There's lots of people around here who have at least access to the gospel. Right. But there's billions of people that don't. So we were convinced that, hey, you got you to gotta be engaged. So we began to pray through and voted every week on a part of the world. So we just took the world. Pick a continent. Okay. Asia. Okay. Pick a particular part of Asia. South Asia. Pick a particular part of South Asia. India. Okay. Northern India? Southern India. Northern India. Okay. Um, what are some people groups that need to be adopted? And we prayed through this one, and we ended up with the, the Gahar people. So That's awesome. And at that time, there were 7.4 million, and now there's 9.2. Um, so that's been, what, 10, 11 years. So um, it's, yeah, it's, it's a daunting challenge. I of course, we, so. had, we had 12 church members when we adopted a 7 million person unreached people. Group, Easy so. peasy, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> But, you know, if, if it were something we could do practically and with our own strength, God wouldn't be interested in it anyway. Right. So yeah. our God's bigger than the problem. Yeah. So No, that's a great way to look at it when you think of 12 people, uh, the whole world away, yeah. trying to reach 9 million people, you know. Yeah. And it's, you, it, it's you, been done. Oh, yeah. It's been done. <laughs> it could happen. It just, you know, you think about all the gaps that you have to bridge. You have to get across the oh, ocean yeah. first and foremost. Oh, yeah. And then you got to go to where these people are, mm-hmm. and they got a different language and culture, and you've yeah. got to get through all that to say, here's my Jesus. Yeah. And then the chances are you're going to be rejected. Yeah. But, but how does that process begin? Yeah. So we reached out to some folks in our denomination who had some experience with this sort of thing, because it's what they do, and... They gave us some training, some cultural training to learn how South Asia people live and how their mindset is compared to ours and their culture. And so that helped us. And then they hooked us up with some folks in our uh, our organization that are living there and serving there. So whose names I won't mention. But um, so they said these folks are working in that general area. Mm-hmm. And they had painstakingly gone from village to village to try to locate is this a Kahara village? Is this not a Kahara village? What people group lives living here? So when we came over the first time in 2014, it was me and two other guys who'd never been outside the state of Georgia. (laughs) (laughs) It was a, it was a life change and both of them fairly brand new believers. So Mm -hmm. it was like, here's the water hose, right? So, um, the fire hose really. And so we, uh, we went over there and we were able to meet with some uh, folks who, were living there and working there with their family and they were pointing us in the right direction. So well, these Americans also. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So literally folks that, um, well, one of the folks we work with now is, uh, their, their, uh, families from Georgia. Hmm. Um, another group that we're working with their families from Georgia from 20 minutes from our house. Oh, okay. Um, and they're working in Nepal. Yeah. So it's, it's nuts. So we went over there and then literally the second day we were there, we were going in villages where no Westerner had ever gone. And so it's just this white dude, two white dudes walking in with one translator. Yeah. And uh, 
it's so cool because South Asian culture is a culture of incredible hospitality. So, mm-hmm. um, they, they have a saying, the guest is your God. So oh, wow. they will welcome you into their home. They will feed you. They will give you chai, which I'm now addicted to. Um, <laughs> and so everybody in the village is like, come to my house, come to my house, come to my house. Tell us where you're from. Tell us what you believe. Cause they want to talk about spiritual stuff. Yeah. So it wasn't an issue of trying to bang on doors like it is here right. and get people to make you They're let them listen to God. You. <laughs> and now there's a, they literally wanted to hear about Jesus and who he was and what he did. Wow. It's like, well, this is great. And I think that was part of what got me hooked on India because, yeah. you know, as, as a pastor and somebody has been in ministry for years and years and years here, you just, you don't find people that are hungry to, to know stuff. You don't. And to the extreme opposite. There are yeah. people who you could walk into that village somewhere else in the world and they would kill you. Yeah. You know, or at yeah. least give it a good shot. Yeah. But it was a, it was an amazing experience. And so we went back and, uh, I took my wife and my daughter in 2016 and that was a whole different experience because they weren't ready for the change in conditions to what they are used to yeah. <laughs> uh, stuff like that. So, and then 2018, my wife and I went back and then 2021, I went back to Nepal um, to actually do some trekking and was able to do some, uh, went on the Everest base camp. Trek I was going to say, you've been at least so close to Everest. I got right? really close. Yeah. Um, we got all the way to Gorik Shep, which is the last village before base camp. It's three kilometers from base. You can see base camp from yeah. where we were at. And one of the guys we were with, who also is a pastor in Missouri, um, got high, high altitude cerebral edema and his head started, his brain started swelling yeah. to the point where he couldn't see. Oh no. Um, and he was in big trouble. So we had to give him oxygen and then literally put him on a donkey oh, <laughs> and send wow. him back down the mountain. So we, who had already trekked all day to get up to Gorik Shep, had to turn around and trek all the way back down the mountain to get to lower elevation so that his, uh, his haste would be better. So. so is that all he needed was to get back to lower elevation? That's all he needed, yeah. Get down Man. a couple thousand feet in elevation. Imagine your brain swelling and your buddies put you on a donkey, <laughs> you know? And I, I, you get high enough out there and that you can't be reached with a helicopter. Yeah. there's not enough air to put the keep the bird yep. in the air. And then so, yep. that know, was and, a that was the last resort option to try to get a helicopter in there, but it would have been, you know, 20000 bucks U.S. Wow. and Just put him on a donkey and send him south. So... So we hiked all day and all night to get back, and I was really bummed. I was like, mm-hmm. man, I came all the way over here, and I got within three kilometers of base He ruined it for us. Oh, <laughs> ruined it. Hard. Guy getting sick, unbelievable. Yeah. So, so I, how, I may do it again someday. Who knows? How modern is that area? It's not. Yeah. Well, let me, let me put it this way. For South Asia, it's modern. No so no, the, the, the base camp trek area, because um, 99% of the folks that live on that trail – make their income from the trekkers. Hmm. So a lot of them will go and open their shops during the trekking season and then come either back here or back somewhere else and live the rest of the year. But um, there's amenities all the way up. As a matter of fact, what's crazy is we had Wi-Fi. Well, not Wi-Fi. We had cell phone coverage 80% of the trek. Oh, wow. Up through the Himalayas, we had cell phone coverage. And I'm like, no cell towers. Where are we getting this from? My son says it's probably three, uh, five G boxes or something, but probably yeah. I never saw any of those, so I didn't see some yaks. Really well behind the, maybe they're on the yak. <laughs> maybe they're on the, the yak. yak and they just <laughs> yak mobile phone. Yeah, it, it's crazy. Um, but yeah, it's you know we ate uh, we ate well, and uh, it's it's not it's there's literally one road 
up to Mount Everest and it's not a road. It's a, it's a horse trail. So everything that goes up from Lukla, which is where the airport is, which that's a fun experience flying in. It's the world's most dangerous airport. Um, literally, um, the, the runway is maybe half, half the length of the Rome runway. And so there's only special planes that can fly in. And when they take off, because they're taking off into the face of a mountain, there's a ramp at the end of the runway where it actually have to get air. Um, so that was fun. But the only way, the only way to get anything from Lukla, which is where everything flies into to Mount Everest is by yak or horse or donkey um, or porters. We saw folks just carrying big wooden doors, just, you know, 80 pound, 90 pound kids carrying hundred pound doors. And that's just what they do up and down the mountains. It's crazy. So you're, you're not, what's the difference in, in your people and then the Sherpas? Cause you're in the same neck of the woods yeah. there, right? So, um, there's in Nepal, and this is really true of Northern India too. There's, there's kind of three sections of Nepal. The first section is what everybody thinks about when they think of Nepal, it's the Himalayas. That's the mountain section. Right. And then they have what they call the hill country, which is for us, it'd be mountains, but it's, you know, 5,000, 6,000 feet. It's where Kathmandu would be. Yeah. And then they have what's called the Terai. So they have this low land that is where all the jungle, like the jungle book was set in there. So they have all these jungles. We went to Chitwan, which is a national park and they have rhinos and wow. tigers and bears on my, and all kinds of stuff there. <laughs> and so that flat plain is the Southern part of Nepal and the Northern part of India is just huge plain. So, um, it's, they're, the Sherpas are different, different kind of, uh, culture. Yeah. Um, from, from the folks in the South. Oh gosh. Yeah. They're, they're a little more, I guess, touristy at this point. Like, yeah, I mean, that's, they make their living. They're literally the taking folks up, up and down the mountain. Yeah. yeah. But back to your people. Yeah. <laughs> they, <laughs> back uh, to our people. So what was your, your first experience like over there? Uh, it was amazing. Um, terrifying, of course. Yeah. Um, it was Easter of 2014 and we went over, so which is really cool. We, woke up on Easter morning and that's when we started going out and they put us with a, a translator, um, a, a national guy there. And they literally said, okay, you're going to this village. And they broke us up, which was the worst thing. Cause the other guys were terrified. I mean, I was t- scared, but they were really <laughs> terrified because they hadn't like mentally prepped the way that I had. Yeah, yeah. So I was all gung ho and I just kind of made them come with me. <laughs> and so they were novice Christians with a translator going into villages and I was going to village. So we literally hit, I think three or four different villages each. And the reception was great everywhere that we went. Um, Mm -hmm. one, they would always, the village elders would always invite us to come to their house and to talk to us because that's how the, 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 the culture works. And then we had one guy in particular, this village said, thank you for coming, whatever. We're not interested. We, we, we're not going to change from our God. We have enough gods. Yeah, we have, yeah, no thanks. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, okay, that's, you know, if it's, if it's not for you, it's not for you. If the God yeah. didn't call you to do it, it's, you know, right. we're going to present it and you know, we'll let God save who he's going to save. So, But you've never experienced any hostility or? No. Yeah. No, the Christians who live there, not particularly in that part of India, but there are states in India where they have what's called anti-conversion laws. Mm. So you're not legally allowed to become a Christian if you're a Hindu or a Buddhist or Muslim and you can't convert from one religion to another. The whole idea of that is um, there's a really um, heavy Hindu influence in the government right now, yeah. and they don't want people leaving that. Now, you can't, 
you can't convert to Hinduism, right? You could. You could adopt Can it. You? Yeah. Okay. I, I didn't think you could because yeah. they felt like you were jumping in in the middle of reincarnation and yeah. you had to have been there since, I don't know, maybe that was. I, I, think, I think you can get in on it. Yeah. yeah. But, but, you know, it's not, wouldn't be for me. I yeah. Know. No, I would not <laughs> want to convert to Hinduism because that sounds. I get tired enough just trying to be a Christian, you know, and it's right. not that much work. So. It, yeah, but, but they're, they're their workspace salvation though, right? It like is. They're trying 100%. to do the next good thing and improve yeah. their next life and finally make it. Yeah. In it is. It isn't. It is in reality what a lot of people think Christianity is. Yeah. Um, which is not. That's, you but do um, enough good to get yourself. You do enough good, home. and you you get a you know bag of candy at the end of oh, it. So. Oh man. But yeah, so it's it's different, and the in the so that the language is preliminarily Hindi that they speak, um, primarily Hindi. Sorry, um, and but they do speak other other languages, Bhojpuri, and a few other languages. But so I started picking up a little Hindi just to be able to communicate. And, you know, because my heart is with these people, I try to engage South Asians wherever I'm at. Like if I go to a store or see somebody in a market or whatever, I'll try to speak some Hindi to them just to see, yeah. um, hey, you want to have a conversation, you know. Nice to hear their own language. It always blows people away. Yeah. yeah, it's always like when you speak to people in their heart language, it just does something like it. It just opens them yeah, up completely. Yeah. So I'm like, that's a great great tool for sharing the gospel because you know people think well they always look at me weird like sideways like why would a white dude from georgia <laughs> want to learn this language yeah. and come talk to me it doesn't make any sense um and so i you know when i get the chance i explain to him hey this you know i'm a believer i'm You've a follower a of christ pretty and, good why and this is this is why because yeah. we want to share some hope with you that you may not have experienced before so yeah. and you know, come to my house for chai, and we'll we'll have chai. So. Yeah, absolutely. Because we're all throwing chai now. I'm gonna go home and have some chai tonight. My wife loves it. Oh, but, well, great. Yeah, great. We'll yeah. get together, have some chai and some parley G cookies. Parley you ever had parley G's? I don't think so. No, it's a big dude. It's a big thing. So parley G's these little bitty, the British would call them biscuits. Biscuits. Uh, little bitty, almost like shortbread cookies, mm-hmm. and you dip them in the chai, and not not too long because they will literally dissolve. Yeah. And then you just oh, it's it's. It's a takes it to a whole Harley another G. level. Yeah, all I got right. some. I'll hook you up. Okay, all right. So, I know where all the Indian stores are. So. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead and speak the language, right? I do. I, a, that's a great place to practice. Yeah. So, and they know me like the one in Chattanooga that I go to all the time. It's called Janta Market now. It used to be Patel Brothers, and uh, they know me every time I come in. It's like uh, there's there's that dude again. So <laughs> he's gonna say something about the weather, and he's gonna what he's like. Okay, whatever. But but it's an Hindi, then it's cool. It's an Hindi. It's cool. I, I think it's cool. Yeah. But the thing is, I took a long time to figure out is not everybody, like that's not the first language. Like there's 17 official languages in India. 17 wow. official languages, and then there's hundreds of other languages. Little dialects and regional. Yeah, things. regional yeah. dialects and things like that. And so, 90 percent of the people I run into, 85, 90 percent of the people I run into here are not from a prime a primarily hindi speaking part of india mm. like ton of folks and so i work in calhoun and so i run into people in calhoun all the time ton of folks from gujarat mm. which is a, a state on the, the west end of of india and they speak gujarati and most of them speak some hindi too because that's one of the main languages but right. but most of them don't aren't super fluid in hindi so it doesn't do me a lot of good to have those conversations, but still well, try. I was going to ask how many, yep. they have 17 official languages. How many yep. 
languages does the average person speak over there? You know, what's funny is every, pretty much every South Asian I've met at least speaks three. Yeah. At least. Like pretty much every Gujarati that I've met here speaks Gujarati, speaks Hindi, speaks English. There's a guy whose name's Deep. He works in uh, on uh, 53. He works mm-hmm. at his family owns a convenience store up there on 53. And he speaks, I think he said it was seven or nine languages. Wow. He's worked in Dubai. He's worked in different places. He worked in Germany. And everywhere he goes, he learns a language. It's like, I guess if once you learn a couple, you you, know, well, you learn how to learn a yeah, language. Yeah, you learn how to learn it. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it's crazy. I struggle with but. the one, you know, and I know like <laughs> I'm four, not great at English, but. <laughs> yeah, I know like four signs in American Sign Language, and that's about it. But it's it's common. And, and in school um, in India, they learn English and they learn, you know, Hindi and whatever. So the kids are obviously have an advantage right away because yeah. they've already learned how to learn those things, difficult right. things. And it's just, if you, if you teach a kid really early two languages, then that's going to be something that's just going to be normal for them. Hmm. So, so what's yeah. it like, uh, you've shared the gospel, obviously English to English, but what's yeah. it like working through a translator? It's, in- it was, it's weird because I have a tendency to, as you have figured out, just, just go on and on. Um, and so having to say something and then stop and wait for them. And then looking at them going, what kind of response am I getting? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. So it, it's weird, but um, I, I'll tell you something really, really awesome that God did. So our first visit, when I, the first person I met, it was a national person. Um, his name is Sue Neal. And uh, Sue Neal was one of our um, – he wasn't a translator because he didn't know English that well, but he went with us because he's a learning. So yeah. um, Sue Neal, his last name is Keshup. That is a Kahar surname. So the very first person in South Asia that I met was a Kahar believer. Hmm. And I'm like, okay. And so he didn't even understand about the unre- – he didn't understand about – he knew his own, own people were, were lost and unengaged, but right. he didn't understand what a big deal that was. Hmm. I'm like, yeah, God, that's a that was – God saying, "Okay, I'm already working." Yeah, you know, yeah. you know, Jesus said, "You know, I'm I'm always working. My Father's always working." Yeah, and we forget that because we can't see it or because we're not part of it, that God isn't isn't still doing stuff because He certainly is. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, that's I don't know. People always look at that. I think is the first obstacle. Obviously, you know, logistics is is what it is. But yeah. you're on the ground and you're there, getting past the language barrier or the cultural barriers yeah. and. You go into a different part of the world. Am I supposed to take my shoes off when I go in the house, or do I do I bow, <laughs> yeah. or what's the right? What's the know? protocol here? Yeah. yeah. What's it like sorting through all that stuff? Well, the answer is yes. You are okay. supposed to take your shoes off, and they and our our national folks that work there they are real good about telling us, okay, this is how things are going to go, and this sort of thing. And everywhere you go, they're going to feed you. Everywhere you go, they're going to give you something to drink. Um, and so you have to be hospitable. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Jesus, when he sends out the 70 or 72, depending on your translation, right. um, in Luke 10, uh, he tells them, you know, wherever you know, something's offered to you, eat it, you know, find a house of peace. And that's all we're looking for is houses and people of peace. But one of the misnomers about missions is, especially in the West, is that we're going to go over and win nine million people to Christ. And that's not how it works. Yeah. Um, that was my mindset in 2014 until I got there and I saw the enormity of the issue. Um, There are a million villages in India, literally a million villages in India. You could go village to village 
and never get to all of them. With well, the there's gospel. not enough so hours in the day. There's not. There's know. none or people that yeah. are willing to. Like I said, one one for every seventeen million. So what you have to do is, is as the Lord saves people, you have to train them and equip them. Those are the people that are going to reach right. the Kahar people. So what we're looking, seeking for is a church planting movement where disciples are making disciples, planting churches, then they're sending out, and then they're sending out. Right. And that's how you're going to reach 9 million people or 1.4 billion people with the gospel. Yeah. So you're not going over there looking to reach nine million people. You're looking to reach nine. Yeah. Who could reach nine? Who could exactly. reach nine? And yeah. One of the biggest things we do is we say three things you can do in missions. You can pray. Everybody can pray. Right. You can give. Everybody can give. Yeah. Or you can go. And sometimes you can do all three. Um, like Hudson Taylor would say, we need somebody to hold the rope. You know? Yeah. I, I'm going to go, but I need somebody to hold the rope. So we need and, – and what we're doing in our group that – Harvest Network is we're trying to enlist churches and people to under, help understand their responsibility, understand the, the need, because yeah. the biggest problem in the world is lostness. So it's not knowing Jesus. That's the biggest problem in the world. And then show them, hey, this is how you can fit in. If our church could adopt an unreached people group when we had 12 members, anybody's church can. Yeah. It's, it's a doable yeah. thing. So, And the thing is, God's not asking you to do the heavy lifting. He's already doing it. Yeah. You just need to be involved. So. Well, that's what we, we know and we can rely on is that the result is not up to us. We don't get to decide who comes yep. and who doesn't and Absolutely. who's receptive and who's not. And yep. it may not even be right now. Maybe you witness to somebody and 10 yeah. years from now they, they come to faith. And yep. But it's not up to us. Nope. So that should embolden us to missions and evangelism Absolutely. and all those things. And Absolutely. Well, and it should and it should, but one of the problems we have in, in our culture and in the, in the Bible Belt is that we have a very pragmatic approach to everything. Mm-hmm. And so we want to know how many people were saved, how many people were baptized, how many people, you know, blah, 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 how much money was given, how many people attended the services or whatever. We want to know yeah. because it's, it's all a measuring contest here. It's all, this is how we compare whether we're successful or not. Yeah. And that's not what God's economy is about at all. No, well, and, and we devalue eternity mm-hmm. in that because we yeah. think this is the number of people we got to get and yeah. as pastors you think about how many people come down at the end of the service and <laughs> that, that's a measuring stick right whether or not your sermon was a oh man don't even get me started about altar calls no I know. we don't even do one <laughs> we don't have them at Rome Reform Church but uh, you, you look at eternity and what eternity yeah. is and the fact that we're going to spend it in one place or the yep. other and if I can fly across the world and change that for one person for one person yeah. it's worth it yeah absolutely it's so it's it. not just about a number we can put up on the board or a yeah. video that we can show when we mm-hmm. go back to church. We reach yeah. all these people. Eternity will be different with this right. person because God used us in this, you know, in this situation. And, and that's the end. So that's the, that's the end goal that we're striving for. You know, Revelation 79, 7, 9. We got people from every nation, tribe, tongue, and language standing before the throne saying, worthy is the Lamb. And that's the goal. Yeah. We know there's going to be people. Yeah. From South Asia, we know there's going to be people from Nepal. We know there's going to be people from India, from uh, our people group, and from other people groups. There's going to be believers there because the Lord was faithful, mm-hmm. and because that's His plan from eternity past to save right. those people. We just get to be in on it. Like it's a it's a bonus for us. Yeah. And you know, when Jesus said that the fields are ripe for harvest. That meant all the work had been done. We just need laborers to go and gather. Yeah. And that's all yeah. we're looking to do. So Right. So what are you, who are you associated with as you do this? Is this just your group of people that are? 
Yeah, so in between planting churches and where we're at now, we're at Woodlawn now, been there for about uh, almost almost a year now, um, I was like, God, what am I going to do? I'm not I'm not a pastor anymore, which is it was freeing, but it was also frustrating because I didn't have a pulpit. Yeah, you know, I didn't have a, yeah. a, a. I felt like I had a. Vo- I didn't have a voice anymore, and I'm like, well, let me just um, see if I can find other folks that are interested in being part of this. And so I, I founded what's called the Kahar Advocacy Network, and uh, so what we're trying to do is. For, for me, and, my, and I told the association this last night, my heart is small and medium-sized churches, churches that don't have – because the churches that have 1,000 people, 2,000 people, they're doing stuff, yeah. and that's fine. Yeah. Um, they're sending teams and things like that. But there's churches that have 20, 30, 40, 50 people that don't even know there's a potential for them to be involved in right. global missions. They wouldn't know how to get on a plane. They wouldn't know who to, who to talk to, who to contact, wouldn't know the protocol. And so my heart is to try to get these churches to see every church in this county being involved in global missions, whether it's in India or anywhere else that God calls them to be, and and serving faithfully because it is the church's responsibility is global well, missions. So. And in those small and, and medium-sized churches, that's how we become effective in global missions as a Absolutely. church. Because Rome Reformed Church, there's 25, 30 of us on mm-hmm. Sunday morning. There's only so much we can do in terms of global yeah. missions. But if we get together with 10 other churches yep. who have 25 or 30 people, now yep. we have 600 people that are yes. you know, chipped into this thing. Yeah, we got 600 people variety. praying. <laughs> we got 600 people giving. We yeah. got, and one of the things that we, we emphasize is for Southern Baptists, they have something called a Lottie Moon offering. So mm-hmm. it's every Christmas. It's a giving specifically for global missions and the international mission board and those folks who are already serving overseas. So we tell people, we're not asking you to give to us. We're not asking you to, to give us any money. We're asking you to give what you're already giving, but, but be more involved, like understand where that money's going and understand how you can help. Whether it's writing a letter, whether it's sending a care package. We had a family that we work with in India that we sent a care package to. We just ask them, Hey, what do you guys need? And they sent us a list of Christmas stuff. So I was like, yeah. okay. I mean, s- simple things. The Cheez-Its, because the Cheez-Its there don't taste like the Cheez-Its in America. So, yeah, right, <laughs> you yeah. know, so it was just, it's not a big deal, but for them it's a big deal. Yeah. So for, for us to encourage the people who have literally sacrificed their lives to go where the biggest problem of lostness is, yeah. is, is what we, what we want to do. Well, it's, it's interesting that you said sacrifice your life. Um, we think about, the verse that says, uh, greater love hath no man than to lay down his life, life for his, his friends. friends. Yeah. That doesn't always mean dying, right? Right. Sometimes it means you pack up all your stuff or not, <laughs> and you move to India yeah. and reach a yeah. so, unreached people group. One of the things that God is working on me and teaching me right now is that the heart of Christianity is submission. Mm. And Jesus is not interested in your stuff. He's not after your pocketbook. He's not after your house. He's not after your TV. He's not after anything. He wants your heart. He wants your submission. Yeah. And when he has your submission and surrender, which Jesus demanded that, hey, unless you take up your cross and die to yourself and follow me, you cannot be your, your disciple, Right. Um, my disciple. Um, unless you're willing to do that, then it doesn't matter how much you give. It doesn't matter anything. It doesn't matter if you get on a plane, if your heart's not... Yeah not belong to Jesus. So it's just a matter of will we submit, will we surrender? That's part of the problem that we have here. The other problem that we have here, one of them is tribalism, Mm -hmm. big time. As a pastor, I used to be really bad about that. 
It's our stuff, our church. And you talk about partnerships, you know, what if our church doesn't get the glory for it? Ooh. Well, what if our church doesn't see the benefit? What if we don't have a missionary come to our church? What if we can't say that we did this, this, this? What if it didn't show yeah. up in the newsletter? Yeah. That's, you know, that that takes something. It takes it takes a surrender of your will and your pride to understand that the problem is bigger than you getting a result. Out yeah, of it, so. yeah. Well, it's yeah. not. We're not investing in advertisement when yeah. we think about you know co- cooperating on a thing yeah. like that. It's it's investing in the kingdom. Yeah, yeah. You know, we we want we want the glory and we want our name to be on the sign out sure. front and we want you know the, all that good stuff. Yeah. But, it's not what it's about, and God is going to take care of us, you know, it, yeah. because we did what we were supposed to do, not because we were looking for a particular yeah. reward from it. Yeah, and it's I like what uh, Zwingli said: preach the gospel, die, and be forgotten. Yeah, that is that is the Christian's duty and responsibility. That's hard because we want to leave a legacy, yeah, right? And I want everybody to remember how I preached and how good it was. And see, I, we all are like we want to be remembered, but the thing is. God remembers. Yeah. God knows. Yeah. And that's all that really matters. And in a, in a thousand years, shoot, in a hundred years, nobody's going to know who I was, what I did, yeah. where I went to church, yeah. what I served, how much money I made, what kind of car I drove. Nobody's going to know. No one's going to care. Yeah. But in a hundred years, God is going to know. Yeah. And for eternity, God will know. And so those people the, will know. Yeah. So the, even the least little bit. Yeah. You know, whatever you feel like you can do and everybody... It, you know, is not capable of giving ten thousand dollars to yeah. IMB or whoever. Yeah. But you can give something. Mm-hmm. You can pray. Everybody can pray. Everybody can give a little bit, like you said. Yep. And everybody can be involved. Yeah. And the thing is that everyone has to be involved. Like it is, it is not an option for a Christian to be involved in missions, whether it's local, national, or global. Every Christian is a missionary. Now, yeah. As I said before. Um, it's not a matter of whether God will call you to be a missionary. It's a matter of whether you'll be faithful to the call he's already given you. Because the Great Commission is for everybody. Yeah. And that's what missions is. Go make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them. So yeah. it's going, it's preaching the gospel, it is discipling, planting, lather, rinse, repeat. Yeah. And that's all missions is. It's pretty simple and the other thing we have a problem with danny is that there's a real misconception about what missions is especially in our churches here because boy i, I gotta be careful not to touch the third rail but um that's <laughs> what we do here bring it on adrian rogers famously said i don't know if you know who that is that god did not call us to make um the earth a better place to go to hell from Ooh. and so Going, I know there are churches that are involved in in going overseas, but they go to the same place every year, and they do. I mean, building projects are fine, feeding programs are fine, clinics are fine, but it doesn't matter if they have a house and clothes and food if they die without the gospel. Yeah. So all those things are great if they're accompanied by the preaching of the gospel, because that is the primary thing. If the gospel is not proclaimed, it's not missions. Hmm. And that's that's tough to wrap our heads around because yeah. hey, it's hard to share the gospel. It is. It's like, tough. It's hard to I, like. I don't want to tell my neighbor about the gospel. Yeah. So why would I want to go across the world? It, it'd be better if I could just drop some money in the plate. It'd be better if I could just go and 
play basketball with them or something, you know? Well, that's, that's our idea of a mission trip, right? We go over and we play <laughs> soccer with the kids yeah. and we take a picture with them. Look at all the little kids around yeah. me in the village and they loved me. And yeah. Where, where was Jesus and all that? Like, did you bring yeah. him with you, you know, and are they going to remember that after you're gone? And what about the people outside of that village? Yeah. Cause there's, there's villages that, and I'm not knocking the efforts of any church and sure. I'm not going to name any specific works, but there's, there's villages. I know one village um, that gets several churches from this area send mm-hmm. teams routinely to that village every year. They're sending yeah. teams, same people seeing the same folks, same village, they're doing a different building project or a different whatever project every time. And that's all well and good. But if you've got 100 people dying without the gospel, and put it this way, if you've got 100 people drowning and you've got 100 life preservers, but you keep sending them, sending them, throwing them all to one, yeah, then that leaves out the other ones. Right. So um, it, I know it's easy because we have a relationship with those people. And mm-hmm. frontier missions where the gospel hasn't been preached is difficult. But if we love people, and we care about people hearing the gospel, then we've got to get past our comfort zones and go. Yeah. You know, the terrifying statistic is that 250,000 South Asians die every week. Every week. At least, right? I mean, with so many billions down there. Yeah. Wow. 250,000, so a million a month, 99.5% of those without the gospel. Mm. That's on us. Yeah. That's, That's not their fault. It's our fault. Yeah. Because we're too busy building our kingdoms, building our churches, padding our stats, justifying our salaries wow. <laughs> to, uh, to do the things that God called us to do. Yeah. You know, I've, I've changed recently. I got into a book um, several guys wrote. I found it on. It's on the Logos software. Okay. It was the free book of the month, I guess, last <laughs> month. But, That's uh, good. But, Anything's free on that. It's expensive. Right. Yeah. It's like all I get on there. <laughs> But it's it's called still not professionals, and it's talking about pastors. Piper, yeah. yeah. So they Love get John into Piper, yeah. you know how much more could your church do if you weren't paying your pastor one hundred and fifty thousand dollars or whatever Ooh. you know. And you touch the third rail, right? That's what we do here. I don't make any money as a pastor. <laughs> I have that license at this point. Amen. But yeah, but how much how much could we do if we weren't? And I'm yep. rabbit trailing a little bit, but where's our focus? Like really? Yeah. You know, there are plenty of pastors that have a job. They don't have 500 yep. people in their church because that just becomes impossible. But, yep. you know, but maybe you don't need 500 people in church. Maybe you yep. need five churches with 100 people or less. 87% of money given by Christians goes to domestic ministries. That is paying the light bill, paying the pastor's salary. Yep. Less than one half of a percent goes to reaching unreached people of the money. we. As a wow. matter of fact... Um, this was a, a terrible statistic, but it's also very enlightening. In the United States, we spent more money every year on Halloween costumes for our pets than we do on reaching unreached people. What are we doing? What are, what are we, we doing? doing? And yeah, it's great to have a building if you've got it and whatever, but do we need to build a $10 million building and give $5,000 to missions? We do not. <laughs> we, we do not. That's tough, man. Yeah. We want to have a nice place to go to church, yeah. right? And we need that new thing, whatever, yeah. you know. Well, like uh, the guy, I'm in a missions cohort with a guy who's been doing this for years and years and years. And he says, you know, we're real good at taking care of ourselves. Like we're, yeah. we make sure that we, we make sure the lights are on. We make sure the chairs are comfortable. We make sure that the heat is on when yeah. it's, you know, 10 degrees outside. 
taking care of the other people that we can't see, that we don't know, that aren't like us, they don't sound like us, they don't live like us, they don't vote like us. Whoa. Man, that's that's where it, that's where Jesus has to do something. Yeah. Yeah. Because we don't want to. It was uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't want to, and I've got things pretty good where I'm at. Yeah. I don't want to go across the country or the world and, you know, <laughs> and, and be hot or cold or hungry yeah. or tired. Just stay here and I'll just yeah. I'll put money in the plate. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. 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 Church maybe. has turned into a consumer, uh, a consumer thing for us. It totally. And especially here in the South, because yeah. again, we've got that tradition of it's Sunday, you have to go somewhere. So we are good. Most of our church growth, I would I would say, this is not a statistic that I know for sure, but I would say 80 to 90% of the church growth in our county is from folks that are other churches, and we get them to come to our churches. Yeah, and we call it growth. Yeah, and it's really just swapping. Yeah, swapping, they were at a different church seats. last week. Yeah. yeah. But how many, I mean, think about it this way. When's the last time that someone came up to you and shared the good news about Jesus? I don't remember the last yeah. time somebody approached me with the gospel. Yeah. And I don't wear like a shirt that says I've had a pastor one or time. anything. But yeah, it's happened, but yeah. I couldn't tell you the last time. So what does that tell you about other folks? Oh, it ain't happening. It ain't happening. Man. But Danny, it's so much easier to just make our churches as attractive as possible and try to get the lost to come in there. Yeah. But it's obviously not working. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's not even... That's the, you know, we got the whole wrong approach to church anyway. Yeah. Like, let's, let me bring my lost friend to church so the preacher can get him so saved. So the preacher can get him saved. No, I keep telling my people, don't bring your lost yeah. friends to me. Like, share the gospel yeah. with them, and they're not going to understand any of this like, anyway. Hey, that was such an evangelistic message. I'm like, okay, good. Now go share it with someone. Go evangelize. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's the Great Commission begins with go. Right. And whether that's across the street or whether it's across the, the world, mm-hmm. um, go is the operative world. You have to go to where... The lost people are. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of his theology, but Francis Chan has a really mm-hmm. good, really good illustration about fishing. That you know, you get these places where all the fish are biting, and people know where the fish are, and so they all the people gather in this one spot. But meanwhile, someone told you on the other side of the lake where no one was fishing, there was an abundance of fish, and if you just threw your your hook in, your lure in, you're going to catch one every time. Yeah, you'd go and you'd sacrifice everything to go. Yeah, um, but. That, and that's how the rest of the world is, but we just don't understand it. So. Well, I learned, and I wore this shirt tonight, and it's not a <laughs> I was going to ask you about that. I guess. <laughs> it's a little town we went to in West Virginia and did some okay. mission work. And this yeah. is their Lumberjacks was their high school mascot there. But I remember being there. That's sweet mascot. And right, it's pretty awesome. It's right in the middle of lumber country and <laughs> coal country. Good yeah. stuff. But I remember people asking us, like, do you have to go all the way to West Virginia to find mission work? And like, well, no, we don't have to. <laughs> and I kind of thought about that, you yeah. know, all the way up there. And we get there, and we're doing the thing that we went there to do. Yeah. And this lady comes up and grabs me and my buddy by our shirt. She's got both of us, one in each hand. And she's like, you don't know what this means. Nobody comes here. Mm. And I thought, okay, that's why we came here. That, yeah. That's why. Mm-hmm. So maybe nobody grabs you by your shirt in yeah. northern India and says, nobody comes here, but nobody goes there. Nobody goes there. You know, we yeah. can we could go across the street, and we could put mm-hmm. a snarky thing on the sign out front of the church, and you know, maybe <laughs> that'll bring them in. Probably not. But to go to a place where yeah. nobody's going, yeah, that's what's got to be done. It's got to be done. It's got to be done. And it's got to be done for a lot of reasons, but mostly it's got to be done because, A, we love people. And if we, we really say we love people, then we got to, be concerned about their souls. Yeah. 
you know, Spurgeon said, if you have no wish for others to be saved, be sure of this, you're not saved yourself. Um, and, you know, and Spurgeon was as, the, as reformed as you can be, and, yeah. and so am I, but um, he didn't know who the elect was. But he said, even if, I, if, I, if, if God had put a yellow stripe up the back of every one of the elect, I would just go around lifting up shirts. But I can't, yeah. I can't know who they are, so I just preach the gospel to everybody. Yeah. Yeah. And so we don't know who, is, who God's going to save but he's going to save somebody. Yeah. I know that because he hasn't come back yet. Right. Yeah. There's still time. Yeah. There's still time. And I don't want to, you know, I'm not a, a spring chicken anymore. I'm 50, going to be 53 here in a couple months. And I know that might not seem old, but boy, 10 years ago, it seemed awful old. Right. Now it seems much younger. Yeah. But yeah. I don't want to be, um, you know, 20, 30 years down the road and going, oh, I wish I'd done something more mm. with the gospel. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I want my kids to see it. Like I want my kids to, to catch it. And my daughter has totally absorbed it. Um, and you know, I want, I want the next generation. I want my grandson to, to have a passion for unreached people. Mm. Yeah, I want that to continue. I don't want my legacy to die. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what we should want. And which is not the same as dying, being forgotten. And that's a different thing, but you're yeah. handing your example. I want the work to keep going. Right. Yeah. Right. I want, I want every one of those nine million people, if they don't trust in Jesus, I want them to at least hear. Yeah. Because the greatest tragedy is not the people hearing the gospel and reject it. The greatest tragedy is that people don't even get to hear it. Yeah. And there's no chance. Yeah. Zero. It's. I mean, you gotta at least give people a chance, a, yeah. a shot. Yeah. You know, right. So. No, you gotta. It's, we gotta get it out there, and it's yeah. not gonna be fun or easy, and yeah. it's not always pictures with cute little kids yeah. in the village but it's it's working it's kind of, and i guess yeah. if it was easy everybody would do it but it would but yeah it's going to take um it's going to take a culture shift among our churches mm. and i think i think god is doing that i think it's going to happen i don't think every church is going to jump on board with that but i think i think the mindset is going to change that it that certainly god will accomplish what he wants to accomplish yeah um but it's got to take a change in mindset from our churches where we're thinking about inward, 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 and we change that to outward, outward, outward. Mm. And I've heard it preached a million times, but until we really, until we really think about folks outside the walls of our church, you know, it's it's not going to change. It's not. It's not. But you guys are doing your best to change it. Um, what do you need? Um. Ten million dollars in the Mark Be great, right? <laughs> What can we yeah. do to help? Actually, so we just we just need opportunities to talk to people. Um, mm-hmm. I'm really thankful for our association because I went in and shared my heart with the the director of missions at our association, Tim, and um, he was like, "Yeah, absolutely. Let's let's help that to happen." He formed a missions team, and like we're reaching out to all the churches in our county to try to. Tell them, hey, you can be involved, and this is this is like good for your church. Like it's not like we're trying to get more stuff out of you. Right. Like this is this is healthy for your church. When you sure. reach unreached people with the gospel, you promote evangelism within your own church, and then you make missions the heart of your church, and that's when the church really is healthy. Yeah. Um, we're also doing something. Um, I can plug in October. Um, our church is sponsoring what's called a Global Impact Conference, mm-hmm. uh, October 18th to 20th. And we're going to bring in missionaries from all over the world, missions organizations, literally from all over the world, bring them in. And we're going to try to have people meet up with them. Like, I'm, I'm going to try to get people 
who aren't involved, aren't serving somewhere, whether it's in South Asia or anywhere, right. and show them the opportunities that exist yeah. and plug them in. Because ultimately, I'd like every believer to be involved in missions, whether that's across the street or whether it's across the world. Yeah. Because so, that's we what be. we all should be. Yeah. yeah. Whether, whether we like it or not, that's, that's the call. Like, God, didn't, God never saved anybody that he didn't apply the Great Commission to. It's not an option. I think our churches, we, especially in, the, you talk about consumerism, especially in our culture, the consumeristic nature of our culture is that we think that, well, we'll you know, it's like a buffet. Like, yeah. well, I'll take a little bit of tithing and I'll take a little bit of, um, you know, whatever, fellowship, and I'll take a lot of fried chicken and I'll yeah. take, you know, a little <laughs> yeah. bit of preaching and I don't necessarily want the Sunday school and, you know, I'll skip the missions. Maybe I'll come back for that. Right. But for Christians, it's not, it's not an option. Like, this is what, as as Piper beautifully says, missions exist because worship doesn't. So mm. we we are called to be missionaries. Every Christian is called to be a missionary. And there's only one thing, Danny, that you can't do in heaven if you're a believer. Just one. We can eat in heaven. Praise the Lord for that. Thank God. Um, we can worship in heaven. We can fellowship in heaven. We can have joy and and see Jesus face to face. And we're going to do all of that stuff. Um, but you're never going to be able to share the gospel in heaven because there won't be any lost people there. Hmm. So while you're here, this is your opportunity. We've got this window, right? This is your window. Yeah. And uh, I would hate to, to the end of my life, think, man, I, I blew it. You know? Yeah. And one of the biggest barriers to it is is church stuff. Not the churches are bad. Churches are certainly sure. God's, God's, God's calling of His people. Um, but... Um, we get involved in church stuff and get busy with church things and forget the purpose that God made the church for. See, yeah. God didn't God didn't save the church and then give it a mission. Like he didn't save the people and say, Okay, now what I'm gonna have them do. Yeah. God had the mission. The mission was the proclamation of his name and his glory throughout all of creation. He saved the church for that mission. So it's just when we do missions as a church, it's just what God has already planned for us to do. So yeah. it's just, it should be normal, normative. It should be. It should be. It should be. Yeah. <laughs> so what, you guys got a, a website or how do we get in contact? So with? actually, no, okay. um, because of the nature of our work. Oh yeah. We can't really publicize who we're working with or, oh, gotcha. uh, we do have a Facebook group. It's a private group. Um, anybody wants to join, I'll send you an invite as well. Okay. Um, uh, just hit me up on, I'm on Facebook. They can find me on Facebook or you can send me a, a email at David at Woodlawn Church or Woodlawn Rome dot com and, uh, or David, uh, pastor at abfchurch.net. I still got that one, although ABF hasn't been around for years. Um, or give me a holler and, uh, they can find me and I'll hook them up if they're interested in serving. If they just want to know more about the culture, if they want to know more about serving, if they want to get on a plane, we're trying to go in May if the Lord wills. Um, I'm still looking for a couple people to go with me. Yeah. If they want to go and, um, I can promise them a couple things. Number one, they'll never, they won't be harassed or persecuted, right. which is great. Um, which is why I don't understand why people don't share the gospel here. Cause the worst thing's going to happen. Somebody's going to say no. Um, <laughs> they're not going to probably not going to get sick. We've never had anybody get sick while we're, we're with this. Yeah. Um, and they're not going to, uh, they're not going to be the same when they come back. Because when they see what God is doing, it's it's literally, Dan, it's, if you went to India today, you would see the book of Acts playing out. Wow. It is literally playing out that yeah. way. Um, it is amazing. The culture and everything. Like you go into a village and you, it, it might as well be 2,000 years ago. Mm. Um, it's it's nuts. 
and, but when you see the people and see the warmth of their hearts and see the receptiveness to at least hearing the gospel and entertaining the gospel, yeah, you're going to go, man, I just want to stay here and do this forever. You know? So good stuff, man. Well, I think we're going to jump yeah. off right there. Okay. Awesome. But, so Thank did you record this time? We did. We got it all. We feel good about it. Good. Hell. Well, thank you awesome. for, thank for being you, brother. on. Yeah. We'll, we'll do it again sometime. That sounds great. All right. God bless you guys. We love you. See you next time.